Across the U.S., more and more states are expanding efforts to make a healthy environment a right guaranteed under their respective constitutions. Currently, three states, Montana, New York, and even neighboring Pennsylvania, have established constitutional rights to a healthy environment via green amendments. HB 220 is a constitutional amendment, so that means it's going to amend our state's constitution to add a right to clean air, clean water, and clean environment for all Delawareans, as well as for future generations. Um, and another really important piece of this legislation is the fact that it names the state as a trustee in protecting all of those things. Nine states, including Delaware, are considering green amendments like HB 220, sponsored by Representative Medina Wilson-Anton. I mean, as a state legislator, I think it would be great if the feds would, uh, you know, pass laws so we wouldn't have to. <laughs> um, I'm not super optimistic that that will happen, and so I think it's important for us at the state level to do what we can. HB 220 would add language to the Constitution, saying that Delawareans have a, quote, an inherent and inalienable right to a clean and healthy environment, including water, air, soil, flora, fauna, ecosystems, and climate, and to the preservation of the natural, cultural, scenic, and healthful qualities of the environment. End quote. On this episode of Whip Count, we're joined by Representative Medina Wilson Anton and community activist Anissa Cartagena from Boost Delaware to talk about HB 220 and its importance to Delaware's future. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, this is Whip Count. So Representative Wilson Anton, let's start it off with you. You're the, the sponsor of the Green Amendment. So tell us uh, in general terms, what does this bill mean? What does it do? Great question. So HB 220 is a constitutional amendment. So that means it's going to amend our state's constitution to add a right to clean air, clean water, and clean environment for all Delawareans, as well as for future generations. Um, and another really important piece of this legislation is the fact that it names the state as a trustee in protecting all of those things. And we know that we're well aware of uh, Maya Van Razam and her work with the Green Amendment. So do you agree with her reasoning that all states need a Green Amendment in addition to having one at the federal level? I mean, as a state legislator, I think it would be great if the feds would, uh, you know, pass laws so we wouldn't have to. <laughs> um, I'm not super optimistic that that will happen. And so I think it's important for us at the state level to do what we can. So now we're going to switch over to a topic that has been in the news a lot lately if you follow politics like I'm sure all of us here do, and that's the permitting process. This came up when they were negotiating the debt ceiling. It came up in the Infrastructure Acts and the Inflation Reduction Acts. So how would HB 220 address permitting and other issues here in Delaware? HB 220 will empower jurisdictions like municipalities, counties, um, as, as well as departments to really put the environment first when they're making decisions. So when it comes to permits um, or when it comes to passing legislation at a city level, for example, um, having a right to clean air, clean water and clean environment as part of the Bill of Rights section of the Delaware Constitution really elevates the, the focus um, on environmental protection for all levels of government in Delaware. It was a shock to learn during the research for this episode of Whip Count that our laws, policies, and permitting system across the country, as implemented over time, has been more focused on ways to legalize and allow for more pollution rather than prevent and curtail pollution. In the PBS special, Here's the Story, The Green Amendment, Maya Van Rossum, known as a Delaware Riverkeeper, discusses the issues and reasons why we need a Green Amendment. So the way I, the reason why I think that we need a constitutional Green Amendment in every state constitution across the United States of America and ultimately at the federal level 
because the way our US system of laws was written and the way it is increasingly has been increasingly implemented over time is it's really focused on legalizing environmental pollution and degradation through reviews and permits. It's not really focused on preventing harm in the first place. Every law is written that way. In fact, if you look at the Clean Water Act, right, whenever I raise in my advocacy as the Delaware Riverkeeper, the point that when the Clean Water Act was first written, it included a goal of preventing pollution discharges to our waterways, zero pollution discharges to our waterways in the United States by 1985. If you point that out to um, government officials or to representatives of industry, they guffaw, they laugh, they nod you off, they say that's ridiculous. Right? But that really was a genuine goal of the Clean Water Act at the time, even despite the fact that the Clean Water Act was like all the other laws written to say, well, you're entitled to, to pollute and to degrade the environment as long as you have the right permit from the right agency. And now I'll throw a question to both of you. Um, so it's been said a lot that the Green Amendment will help end environmental injustices. Can either of you define what environmental injustice is and also share how a Green Amendment would provide a solution to that? Mm -hmm. um, so I do want to state that I don't believe that the Green Amendment could 100% end environmental injustices. I think that uh, it will definitely help remedy a lot of the injustices that are currently occurring, but an environmental justice for those who do not know or aren't aware, but it's basically a series of actions that not only harm the environment, but also harm specific groups and communities. Um, an agreement amendment would help uh, kind of help resolve that in a sense uh, by focusing on the community and putting people before profit. So before you can agree to certain permitting issues or before you can agree to you know, certain development, you would actually have to sit down and say, okay, if we allow this industry to move in, how would this negatively affect the people that have been here for 10, 20, 30 years? Um, what are the implications that come from that? Um, and you know, a Green Amendment would also, on, uh, on the other end of that, um, it would allow the community to be able to have grounds to stand on in court. So let's say if industry does move in and they are violating my constitutional right to clean water or clean air, I would actually be able to go into the courts and say, hey, I need redress. You know, my rights are being violated. I need help. And I would be able to build a case off of that. Without the Green Amendment, you don't really have the ability to go in and say, you know, these rights are being violated. You know, we need things to be fixed. Yeah, and the hope, at least my hope is, um, that passing this legislation will will create an environment where we don't have to go to court um, and instead we're being proactive in protecting the rights for citizens. Um, and hopefully, you know, instead of having situations in the future where folks feel the need to go to court, um, we have people going to the community to avoid those kinds of situations and actually empowering the community to be part of the process. Since you both just brought up courts and lawsuits, I wanted to ask you, uh, Representative Wilson Anton, during a committee meeting, we heard from your colleagues that were concerned about HB 220 opening our state up to potential lawsuit. Our state governments and entities, um, and that was an issue that was from Canada. Um, so anyone who were to come forward and say, you know, I have a problem with this, wouldn't have any grounds to do that to Delaware governments or entities. Thanks. I think it's being done in other states as well that do have a Green Amendment. So 
What provisions were included in your bill to lessen that legal liability? So, um, I think there was a little bit of confusion in the con- committee hearing last year around that. Um, and so in response to those concerns, we added a lot of language to the like preamble section, I guess you could say, like the whereas clauses um, that really um, emphasize that this legislation wouldn't open the door up to, say, you know, million dollar settlements and payouts to individuals. But instead, um, if an individual or community comes forward and says our rights are being you know, infringed upon, the government is then responsible for remedying that situation. And that doesn't mean just paying out money, cash money. Right. That means if there's polluted water cleaning the water up, um, if, it, if there's you know, some kind of leaking that's happening, that's um, that's our responsibility as a state to keep from happening, then we, we shut that down and that's not happening anymore. So um, that's why we add that language specifically kind of um, saying that it's not about payouts to individuals. It's about remedying the problem so that it's not impacting people. Um, something else I also wanted to touch on is there is a narrative that is going around that uh, other states with green amendments are being constantly sued and they are going to course. That is not the reality. Um, there are probably less than, actually not probably, there are actually less than three cases that ever make it to court. And if it does make it to court, it's because they actually have a grounds for it. So frivolous lawsuits that people bring up actually just does not happen and does not exist. Yeah. Um, and I can say that there there were some uh, there was some pushback from like the agricultural community. Um, and one of the things that they've raised and they've raised this for a while um, is that they're dealing with nuisance lawsuits from neighbors. Right. So like you're in an agricultural area, the area starts to get developed and there is now homes in that area. And people are like, I don't like how it smells or I don't think, like these things. Right. Um, and I think that's a valid concern. Um, but that's the status quo. Right. Like that's the concern that they have, whether this passes or not. So I've I've. I've told uh, the secretary and the Farmers Bureau, like, I'm open to working with them to address that concern. Um, But I do see it as separate to the issue of HB 220. I want to bring up another concern that some people have brought up on their side of the aisle, not just with your bill, but with all the environmental bills we're talking about. And that's that they say, we're just a small little state. We're below sea level. We are downwind that passing these bills can't possibly prevent all the pollution, all the air quality issues. So what do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, that's true, right? Like we can't fix everything, but I think it is our responsibility to do what we can and to do our part. Um, At the very least, we shouldn't be allowing, you know, for our residents to have their rights infringed upon because of our actions or because of our inaction. So um, I think it's important for us to lead by example. Um, and, you know, I hope that like with Maya's work, the, the movement catches on and continues in other states and that we all work together to address these issues. Yeah. And I would just like to follow up with that. Um, while we are a small state, we were also one of the first states. So being trailblazers is nothing new to the state of Delaware. Um, and regardless of what side of the aisle that you are on or what concerns you have, at the end of the day, uh, Delaware is going to face this regardless. And while it cannot fix every issue, it can definitely help the people out here that don't have voices because it is the underrepresented. It is the um, the underrepresented and, and not heard communities that are facing and bearing the weight of majority of this. But it affects everyone, regardless of if you are up in Wilmington or if you are down in Sussex County, you are facing a clean water and air crisis. Yeah, and, and building off what you said about about it's a people that don't have the voice that are being most impacted, what challenges have you had in garnering support for this bill? Because sometimes it can be hard to, to build coalitions when it's working people that don't necessarily have time to be involved in the political process or maybe don't think they have a voice. 
Um, that's definitely something that I think every organizer faces when it comes to coalition building, because um, the people you are representing, they don't have the ability to take off, right? You know, if they have to choose between attending an event that could potentially help their health or, you know, paying their bills, they're going to choose the latter. Um, I will say the way how we kind of get around that is when we are planning events, we think about the average working person. We try to plan outside of working hours. We go into communities and schools a lot of times. You know, people forget that children and, and teenagers and, you know, young adults, they are the root of a lot of these movements. So if we can't reach the parents, you know, we go, we find other ways to kind of get that through. We host events um, and we go, a lot of the events that we host, we do make it free. So it's not any financial barrier. And we try to bridge that gap between them and we meet them where they are. Yeah, and I could just say um, I've been super impressed and I'm very appreciative of the work of Boost Delaware and all the um, different environmental groups that have been active, not just this year, but for a couple years now. Um, and I've always just been so impressed and appreciative of everyone who comes to committee. Um, this year we tried <laughs> um, to not like have everybody come out um, because we were feeling a little bit more optimistic about the committee hearing. But last year, there were so many members of the public from all three counties that came out that we had to go to a second day of hearings <laughs> to hear from everyone. So I think you can tell how much um, how important this issue is to Delawareans from every county um, and all ages. And I'm really excited to continue to hear from them. And for you, how did you get involved in this advocacy space and what made you want to work on the Green Amendment with Representative Wilson Anton? Um, so I got into this position about earlier this year, about six, seven months ago. But prior to me becoming the campaign coordinator for Boost Delaware, I have over six years of experience in community advocacy. Education is very important to me and different social justice issues. So getting involved in HP 220 was honestly a no-brainer, seeing how people don't realize the overlap between environmental, economic, and social justice, and how all of those issues are you know, intersectional and how they directly relate to everyone, regardless if you're talking about a federal level or you know a local level um we, i've been i've been doing this for a while now and it's just it's been very effective very nice to kind of get into the community oh, sorry i'll introduce myself first good afternoon my name is anisa carter gina i'm the campaign coordinator and organizer for boost delaware and i'm also a dover resident um, i'm speaking here on behalf of my members we are the delaware chapter of the mid-atlantic justice coalition and we stand in full support of hb 220. it is no secret that delaware is currently facing a clean water and air crisis the Environmental Integrity Project reports that 97% of Delaware rivers and streams are too polluted for both water recreation and aquatic life. The community has waited far too long to have its environmental rights recognized by the state. HP 220 will strengthen economic justice protection by ensuring all communities, regardless of race, ethnicity, social economic <clears throat> status, have the same rights to clean air, water, and healthy environments. A healthy and clean environment is not a partisan issue. It is something that is important to everyone, regardless of which side of the aisle they stand on. It should be noted that while it is the underprivileged and underrepresented communities that are currently bearing the disproportionate weight of all this, everyone's health and economic well-being are at risk. Today, we can prove to Delawareans that legislators strive to protect their health and well-being by creating a right to clean air and water. I ask that you support the community and economy by voting yes on HB 220. So what was it like to, to join that committee hearing and to speak in support of that bill, and what made you encouraged to do that? Um, so as campaign um, coordinator and organizer for Boost, we are, just a little bit about us, we are a 
dedicated collective of individuals and groups that come together to make a la long lasting economic and environmental changes in Delaware. So when we knew that HP 20 was going into committee, it was a no brainer but for all of us to show out. And the reason for that is we know Anybody can come up and say, oh, hey, like we want to support this bill. But when you actually see it and you visualize all different people of all different backgrounds, you can see how it impacts every single person. Um, being in that room was definitely an experience. Uh, it was a very tiny room, but it was full of passionate people who definitely do want to make changes and want to see a different Delaware. Van Rossum said, quote, you may have a right in your heart and your mind, but unless it's written into the Constitution, you don't have a constitutional right. You don't have that level of protection or respect you need to ensure you have access to clean water and a clean environment, end quote. But still, in New York and Pennsylvania and Montana, we still see that there is pollution and degradation that's taking place. And that's because it takes time to take advantage of a new constitutional amendment, right? When, it's, when, when an, an environmental rights amendment, a green amendment, I don't, a green amendment is a form of environmental rights amendment. Not every environmental rights amendment is a green amendment. But when we pass New York's amendment, when we breathe life into Pennsylvania's amendment, when Montana's amend amendment was passed, you didn't have poof. Like everything goes away, everything bad stops. What we did was we created the opportunity for people to fight for their rights, hold government accountable, and to over time, set the powerful precedent that will increasingly ensure that we do truly have a constitutional right to a clean, safe, and healthy environment. So there's work that we have to do, but the opportunity is now there. For Rep. Wilson Anton, ensuring all Delawareans have a constitutional right to accessing clean water and a clean environment is vitally important to our future. As Delaware is currently home to the highest percentage of rivers and streams impaired by pollution in the country, Additionally, a 2021 study from environmental advocacy group Natural Resources Defense Council found that American families spend an average of $2,500 in medical bills each year because of air pollution. The Green Amendment is a continuation of a series of environmental bills introduced this session setting ambitious greenhouse gas emissions reduction targets for the next 25 plus years and also achieving those goals to cut emissions in Delaware. Taken together, the bills would drive the first state toward a more sustainable future by reducing the state's carbon footprint offering incentives to residents, and ensuring businesses are prepared to utilize renewable energy. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, this is Whip Count. You can keep up to date with the Delaware House Democratic Caucus by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at DE House Dems.